gentlemen, it's time for Coffee and KOs. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Coffee and KOs. Another big week in for fight fans uh, this weekend. Probably the highest anticipated fight of the year, I would say, to date. Um, one that we've been looking forward to a while. Um, those of you that are watching the snippets, you can see Steve and I have these wonky wigs on. Um, Carrie picked them out. This is going to be our scary carry punishment for always so whenever we lose this is what we're gonna have to do it makes it not as bad since uh steve and i both lost both scary carries so i don't have to do it by myself that would suck um but anyway super itchy i'm not liking it but carrie how are you feeling about it i mean steve looks like the 80s rocker we always knew he could look like and you look like george washington Yes, yes. Um, I'm, I'm not like very presidential. I feel like you're kind of like the president of the Coffee and Ko's crew. You do most of the talking, so it's it's kind of fitting. And it's I the the blonde wig on Steve with the dark beard. It, it just looks great. <laughs> yeah, Steve's looks. He looks like uh, which one was it? The blonde in Wayne's World. I don't know. Was it Wayne? He or He looks Garth? like a mom from the '80s or an '80s <laughs> rock singer. Oh, geez, he's got some Def Leppard action going on on his head there. Steve, how we doing? I mean. Besides the wig, I don't know if the wig is a good or a bad thing. I mean, it, it doesn't feel great, but it does look kind of great, no? I feel like it looks it's a good look for you. I got to say, yeah. this is the most hair that I've had in my entire life. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I never had to worry about with my hair ever getting in my eyes, and this is, this is happening right now. Um, but yeah, so crazy week this week, tons of news. So not only to recap last week's ridiculous card, uh, that was a fight night, the Ortega zombie fight. But then we also got some crazy news this week in the UFC and then a ridiculous uh, UFC 254 pay-per-view that is absolutely stacked. So, so many things to talk about today. This show is completely loaded. We are upset that our friend Norton MMA is not here with us today to do this. Um, you know, hopefully we can get him back on next time. Uh, we do have a special episode coming out Monday, most likely. So stay tuned for that. Um, you know, obviously we'll, you'll know more about that on Monday when it's released. Um, you got no information for him other than it's a special episode. Uh, well, let's just say Can we're collabing, we're insight? collabing with someone who is pretty well known in the, in the fight, uh, community also like a newer podcast, but pretty well known. And, uh, he's going to come on and review 254 with us. So, um, should be, should be a lot of fun. All right. Uh, so anyway, we can get into last week and. Guys, last week was just absolutely ridiculous. Steve, I, don't, I mean, Carrie, I don't expect you to know because you don't watch. But yeah, Steve, there was fights. Steve, let's just <laughs> let's exclude Carrie from this and let's just talk about how ridiculous this card was this past weekend. Yeah, this card was awesome. Um, obviously, the main event was like a complete shocker to I think almost every single person who probably picked. Um, but also, just the main card in general was just pretty stacked, and I thought pretty much every fight was. Um, pretty entertaining you know i thought it was uh action-packed what did you think yeah i thought every single fight was really really good um god this wig the, the hair keeps getting in my eyeballs it's really bothering me <laughs> um so you know obviously the main event was ridiculous but 
I mean, just every, I think every single fight was really, really good. I mean, t- I mean, a great fight to start out with Jonathan Martinez and Thomas Almeida. Jonathan Martinez prevailed, looked really, really good. Um, you know, Almeida, it's so funny. He was undefeated for a long while. And, you know, it seems, you know, he took that three-year break. But prior to that break, he had lost some big fights. Um, was a huge prospect at one point. And he, not that he looks bad, but it just seems like the, the, the you know, the, the, that division has really evolved. And the competition has gotten so much stiffer, and um, he's just struggled. He's really struggled in that division. So Martinez looked great in that fight. It was a decision win, but he looked really, really good throughout the entire fight. Yeah, there wasn't really much going on here. Like Almeida, we just didn't know where he was going to be at. I think we said like opposite sides of the spectrum. He could have showed up and gotten like a great finish, and no one would have been surprised. Um, but on the flip side, he hadn't fought in three years, and it kind of looked like that. Meanwhile, Martinez just looked great striking. Um, so he's a young guy, someone to kind of watch out for. Uh, so unanimous decision, he totally earned it. Yeah, and then we got the president or the the owner of Glory MMA, James Krause. He comes in short notice. Honestly, a lot closer fight than I expected. Um, I was not a Claudio Silva is a guy who typically does a lot of his damage on the ground and you know obviously James Krause his da- ground defense is insane his takedown defense is really really good and so he stuffed I think every takedown it was that Silva threw at him and uh but on the feet he actually looked pretty good and and they were really throughout the fight exchanging blows back and forth I, I mean I definitely 100% think Krause won the fight I have no issue with that decision win um but I was surprised by Claudia Silva this was honestly for me close to one of the fight of the nights if if the last two fights weren't or the last three fights weren't as good or the the performances weren't as um weren't as good i think that this fight could have won fight of the night like it was a really really good fight yeah it's uh like the scoring was 30 27 unanimous but it didn't really feel that way because it was very back and forth and like you said like we thought claudio would you know take it to the ground and he did he shot 12 times only landed on two of them, um, but he had no sub attempts or anything, and that was really what we were looking for for him to get the win. But Kraus did a really good job, like keeping his distance, um, never really got in a dangerous position. So he outstruck him. Uh, it was 94 to 64 significant strikes. So uh, yeah, Alvi Kalina, I mean, uh, James Kraus looked really good in that. Yeah, and he, I, I, I'm really excited because um, he basically called out Joaquin Buckley. Don't know the whole beef there. I did watch the post-fight interview, and he stated that he wants to fight Buckley. doesn't like Buckley. Um, he thinks that Buckley is a keyboard warrior, basically. Um, you know, he did give him props on the knockout, but not a big fan of him. So he called him out, said, I'll fight him. And so I'm kind of interested to see how that materializes because, um, I mean, they're at different weight classes right now, too. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know the whole beef there, but there's got to be some sort of history or something. Yeah, I didn't see any of like the behind the scenes of like why he called him out, but I don't really think that's the fight for James Krause to take because Joaquin Buckley fights at 185. Krause is a big dude, like he's six two and he fights at multiple weight classes, but I don't know. You're going up to 185. There's some like serious power up there. I don't know if that's necessarily the right fight for him, but I don't know what the what the back and forth was before. I just know that Buckley said that he had asked Krause to train there, and Krause said no. Kraus said that all you do is talk shit on Twitter. You don't back it up. And so I guess, yeah, I don't know. Kraus is definitely like an outspoken guy. He doesn't beat around the bush. So um, there's got to be something there. We just, you know, we don't know the whole story. But I got to get to my man, Jimmy Crute. 
Jimmy Ooh. Crew. I told everyone Jimmy Crew is the is the man, and he, boy, he listen. Jimmy Crew is a guy still so young at only twenty four. Many people label him as like a guy that can take the fight to the ground and submissions. Like that's what he's known for. This he's a massive dude and he's so strong. His power is insane and you saw you saw it on Saturday. Like it was insane. The knockout was crazy. Jimmy Crew, that's my man. I'm so glad he won a bonus. Hyped for him and I think that honestly, another fight or two, you're talking about a serious contender at the 205 division. Yeah, I tweeted it out right after I said this guy has top five potential like written all over him just because like you said like he has the wrestling skills he has the submission skills this was just like a huge added bonus like he landed like what three or four like massive shots in a row that led to the finish like his power is unbelievable so um, I had convinced my buddy to bet on the Jimmy Crew TKO and we both bet on it and we were going nuts when he landed a few of those shots so um yeah, Jimmy Crute, though, top five potential, 100%. How much did you win? It was like plus 300. I, I was wow. like a little surprised that it was that generous. So uh, we ended up winning like 60 bucks or something. Nothing crazy. We never bet that hey, much. but Hey, 60 just, bucks uh, is 60 bucks. The TKO. Yeah, no, I, I like it. And that's what I mean. People label him as the guy that's going to go in, get a submission. And yes, that's, that's probably his bread and butter, but... The dude is super strong, and he's at a he's like he's gonna emerge at the perfect time because the two hundred five division, yep. it, it's a great division. But I feel like a lot of those guys are are older, and you know he's he's a younger guy. You know, give him another two years, and I really think Jimmy Crude is right there. I mean, Jan is gonna be almost forty by then, or forty. Tiago Santos isn't yep. isn't any younger. Dominic Reyes is young. But honestly, I like I would I would almost like Jimmy Crew against Dom Reyes. Like if I had to pick between the two, because Jimmy Crew is so around it, and people will probably be like, "Whoa, Zach's crazy!" Like, you know, Dom Reyes is a guy that took John Jones and basically beat John Jones. But Jimmy Crew, I just think matches up well with a lot of guys in that division, and I I, I think that he needs a couple more fights under his belt. But I think he definitely needs to start fighting guys in the top fifteen, top ten at least. Yeah, 100%, like you said, and you even add in Glover Teixeira, and that's like three of the top five guys who will probably not be there in the next year or two. So, yeah, the timing is just perfect for him. If he can just fight again pretty quickly, maybe get one or two more legitimate fights, then, uh, yeah, we could be looking at a, a future future champ at some point. I hope so. That's my boy. Um, all right, then we move to Jessica Andrade, Ch- Caitlin Chukagian. Listen, Jessica Andrade, like I said, she is a problem. She might be short, but the girl is so strong, has such clean boxing, and is very, very good on the ground. She poses a threat to a lot of people, and I I knew she would not have trouble moving up a weight class because she's so strong. And now I think she has, she's, she's one of those people, like, it depends. Some people move up a weight class, right, and they struggle with the power, trans, like, transforming to that that new weight class like we saw with Holloway. But there are some people who deplete themselves so much to make weight, and I'm not saying that's her, that that suff, you know they suffer in their performance as well. And I knew that she would have no problem because she's a super muscular chick. I knew she'd have no problem uh, you know, making those adjustments, and she did it. I mean, she was clearly much stronger than Chukagian. I think she was a better striker. And you know, to put, put someone away with a liver shot, I'm not going to say that it's difficult because of the the reach the reach disadvantage she had you know like to get inside 
to land punches is difficult. And she got inside, landed two just beautiful body shots, and that was it. Chukagian had no answer. And, you know, like we've heard before, you, you, you wear a liver shot, and that just it takes you out, like, immediately. Like, your body just has this... It goes into shutdown mode, basically. And that's what happened. And obviously, like, she landed the one, and Chukagian just starts screaming, like, in pain, obviously. And she just had no answer. And next thing you know, her body, her back turns to Andrade and fight was over. Hell of a performance by Andrade. I'm super, super stoked for her and to see what happens in that division. Yeah, that was a, a massive statement for her moving up to a new weight class. And I remember when we were going into it, we were just saying like Chukagian had a significant size advantage. She had the reach advantage. Um, I was convinced that she was going to be able to keep her distance, keep her away, just kind of strike and uh, win the rounds. But we were saying, you know, don't sleep on Andrade's strength because if she's able to cut the distance and get inside, then it's going to be dangerous. And that's exactly what happened. So um, obviously a great win for her, great debut at the flyweight division. So she went from unranked in the division, obviously. She's now the number one contender. She jumped up above everyone. So, Well, what makes me laugh is she – so she's unranked. But because of how you know watered down that division is, she gets the shot at the number one contender yeah. and beats her. So obviously she's going to be number one. But a lot of people are saying this fight retired Chukagian as well, that they think that that's it for Chukagian. So yeah, absolutely crazy. But um, so I, you know I think we're going to see Andrade fight for another belt. Shevchenko Andrade, yeah, I guess it's going to happen, right? I mean, there's really no other fight to make if she just she beat the number one contender in Chukagian. That's the next step up. So, and I her. like she's only 29 years old, so why not? And I like that fight for her. I mean, don't get me wrong, Valentina Shevchenko is an animal, and you know, obviously she's champ for a reason. But um, you know, I kind of like the fight for Andrade. Very, very another very good striker. You know, and um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a good fight. You know, I think I still take Valentina. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, it's going to be I, interesting. I think that also goes to show how good Rose is as well. Yeah. Because she, she handled her pretty well in, in their last fight. Um, but that, that's kind of like besides the point and everything. But I think that it's just kind of a side thing that it just shows that Rose is actually that good too because we see how good Andrade is and where she stands within those two divisions. She was like top five in both. So. Yeah, I mean, Rose, Rose is very good at keeping the distance – and striking Andrade is kind of that person that's constantly moving in and out, never stops. Um, that's why I think, I think it's going to be an interesting match with Valentina. Cause I feel like Shevchenko is a lot, very, very similar. They kind of do, they kind of have the same approach a little bit, but Shevchenko is also pretty good on the ground. So I don't know. It's going to be very interesting. I actually just got some news on my phone. That's why I was a little distracted. Um, Henry Cejudo says that he'll unretire for the right price. I saw that. I read that so. article today on ESPN. He he's a he's something else, man. I, I hate these people. Kind of like you know, it's like Connor all over again. They they walk away from the game, but he's been chirping everyone since he left, and then all of a sudden he's like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll fight again. I don't care. He wants I mean, Volkanovski though. We we all knew that he wasn't. I think my I think my problem with Cejudo is just who he is like outside of the octagon. Like he obviously portrays this like fake version of himself because like before he became triple C, he was, uh, you know, just, just a guy like he was, he was very humble, you know, when he fought Demetrius Johnson and everything. And then like, it's been over the, like over the years, he's kind of started to portray himself to obviously brand himself. But I think that's what annoys people the most. 
I love Cejudo inside the octagon. Like he's super exciting, super intelligent, and uh, I would love to see him against Volkanovski. I think Volkanovski is the only guy that he matches up well with in that division due to the the fact that they're close to the same height. And I don't he, think Cejudo would that. take. Like that's yeah. why he's like calling this out and like trying to make it happen. He knows that. Like if it's if it's uh, Holloway, if it's like Zabit, if it's any of these other bigger guys, like he wouldn't have a shot. But right now, he knows he can actually get three belts. Oh yeah, and I think that I think if he won the belt, I think for sure he probably relinquishes it after winning it because and and any fight fan or anybody's going to know like okay, Cejudo is probably going to lose to any of those guys cuz they're going to tower over him. Um but and and he's not going to carry the power that like Zabi or Holloway or any of them are going to carry. So it's definitely different, but I would love to see that fight happen. And I would love to see Cejudo. I would love to see him try to get fight uh Figueredo again I would love to see that um because I, I you know I don't know that he matches up well with Figueredo honestly so I don't know there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of intriguing fights for him and Piotrion yeah no I think he kind of left at a crappy time where like there's unlimited fights for him to take and I get it like he's doing the the money move like he wants to chase the money and get paid that's what like the new thing is um but I don't know and he's like triple c the king of cringe that's his like his shtick, but like he's actually still doing that after retirement, and it's becoming pretty annoying. So either just come back or don't. But like, I don't want him to come back, win the one forty five belt, and then leave and retire again. I never, I never considered him to be retired. Honestly, I never once thought that he was retired. Like fighters say that the only person that I thought would retire seriously is like Paul Felder. I could see him not coming back. Like he'll come back on the right terms, and like DC at this point, but. Whenever like McGregor or someone like that says retired, unless you're in your 40s like and you're completely washed, you're never retired when it comes to fighting. You know, look at Floyd Mayweather, 50 years old, and we'll see him fight again. I guarantee you he will come back at least one more time if it's the right amount of money. You know what I mean? I mean, there's not going to be like fighters just don't retire and stay retired. It's not it's it's not like football. You know, a lot of times football players, baseball players, that's because those guys play until they're 40 years old. That's not the case in fighting. Like I feel like guys will take like four or five years off. Look at Chuck Liddell. Like I mean, don't get me wrong, it was embarrassing, but he did it. He came back and fought again. So yeah, I don't know. I don't ever consider those guys retired, especially someone like McGregor or Cejudo when they're in their prime. So, um, yeah. go ahead. Oh, you're done. Oh, no. All right. oh well, I, I another thing I was just gonna say is that it's a strictly. It's like a leverage power move like money move which i understand from their perspective like once they step away like he started like getting you know he was not in wwe but him and mike tyson like teamed up and did something oh, yeah, and, uh, he's calling thing, out yeah. ryan garcia to box like he's trying to do all these things to you know make a ton of money similar to the connor route and then if he wants to come back then it's going to come at like a premium price tag so it's a smart business move but we'll see what happens yeah, and then we move on to we got a little off track here. By the way, I want to say I think we said we've said shtick in like the last three episodes. <laughs> Probably it's been uh, it's, it's been one a, of your words that you. Well, he just use. used it. How oh, did he? Yeah, you must be rubbing yeah. off on him. So I'm just saying we've we've been, we've been just, that's our words. He's taking the presidential cue, you know. <laughs> um, so we get to the main event: Brian Ortega and Korean Zombie. Dude, I didn't see this coming. I did not. You know see who did see it coming? You. Carrie. Carrie saw this that coming. That was a scary Carrie oh. pick, right? 
I don't think it was. You did hit this a scary carry for Steve, though. Did I? I'm pretty sure. What are your, uh, I lost what are your, mine, I think. What is your... I, think, I actually... I, I want to say I... I find it. Ortega, is it Almeida? Uh, Andrage. 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 You took Chukagian. So Steve has two more shows with the wig. <laughs> <laughs> solo? I'm going solo on it? On Well, not the next one, Shoot. but the one after that. All right. Unless Carrie hits, hits another one. Hits another one. So uh, He's yeah, been doing pretty good. By the way, have we been keeping track? Do we do we have a yeah. point standing? Yes, yeah, I, I have it. Steve's got it. Okay, he made a he made a spreadsheet for it and everything. Ah, very very um, well done. But yeah, dude, I did not see this fight going this way, dude. Brian Ortega looked phenomenal. I regret, you know, I, I'm not gonna say I regret my pick because I think that most people counted him out. Like he said in his post fight, you know, interview is, you know, you take two years off. And I'm not going to say, like, I, I thought he was ducking anyone. Like, I just thought, like, obviously it was clear that injuries were playing a part. But you take two years off, and then you fight a guy like Zombie, who is Zombie. Like, I mean, he's been around the block so many times. Um, I really thought that Zombie was going to pick him apart. And, like, the stats you read last week, Ortega eats a lot of shots. But this this fight, he did not. He kept the fight, his distance, his striking drastically improved. I mean... A hundred percent different striker than what we saw in any of his previous fights. And I think that that Brian Ortega is a real danger to Holloway, to Volkanovsky. I, I think he matches up great with Volkanovsky. Um, and that Brian Ortega is dangerous. And, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes I think at least myself, I look too much into a loss. And I was like, wow, like he really got destroyed by Hall by Holloway, but he was still so new to the fight game though. And that, that, you know, that two years, that fight kind of humbled him, and that two years away, he really put in the work, and it was, I mean, clear as day. And you know, I love, I love both guys. I, I said it before. I had Brian Ortega beating Holloway, like that was my pick when they fought. I thought he was a very good fighter. Then we saw the the striking uh, mismatch there. He went and he fixed it, and now his striking looked amazing. I mean, that spinning elbow he landed was just beautiful. Like that was one of the more flush spinning elbows I've ever seen. No, I think you hit it right on the head. I think the imp so last episode, and I had given all those stats that was pro zombie and anti Ortega. Um, those are all things that you got to think Ortega is obviously aware of that as well, and his team should be aware of that as well. So when you see he comes off a, a tough loss to Holloway, goes into like a two year hiatus, it's not like he's doing nothing for those two years. So we kind of didn't take that into account. We didn't know what he was doing behind the scenes, what he was working on. But it became apparent very quickly that he was working on his striking because Zombie is an incredible striker, as we've said, and he has a ton of power. But every time he stepped forward, Ortega was already like two steps ahead of him and was just landing unbelievable shots on him all night. 50-45 by all judges. Like, it wasn't even close. So, to your point, I think this is the type of Ortega who, if he gives, gets another shot at the title which a lot of people are saying he's going to get the Volkanovski shot right off the get-go here. Well, Dana White um, already said it, so it's happening. Yeah, right. It's going to ha happen. And then we didn't even really see his, his submission skills or his grappling skills. He didn't really need them at all. So I think uh, if he fights this well with, with his striking, he's just a complete fighter and he could be the champ. I think he could actually make a very good, uh, very good run at it. Yeah, I think a lot of people when, people, when fighters go on hiatuses, are like, oh, well, they're just recovering from injuries. Like, that's... And when you're when you say recovering, like yeah, he's recovering, but I think we all forget that while they're recovering, they're still training, 
And yeah, I mean, God, I I've, I don't know that I've seen an improvement on a fighter as much as I saw it with Ortega. Like that was incredible. He looked amazing. Um, and I think that, like I said, I think he poses a real threat to, to Volkanovsky and, uh, it's going to be a hell of a fight. And I really want to see Holloway Ortega too, because like I said, I mean, he's totally, he's a totally different fighter now. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was a great main event. Great, great fight. I cannot believe that fight. I, honestly, that fight could have been, uh, 50, 44. Honestly, I think there was two, 10, eight rounds. There was two, 10, eight rounds where zombie just didn't land. I feel like a strike. Um, so I don't know. I I actually had it at fifty forty four, uh, not fifty forty five. Yeah, I don't think anyone would have have uh, given you a hard time if you had taken that route. I mean, it was just a completely one sided fight. So this is obviously a, a huge win for Ortega. Might get the title shot, but Zombie, that's a big step back for him. You know, he was on a nice little streak there, but he's already like. You know, I think like 31, 32. So he's going to take a little bit of a step back. And if he loses again, like he might kind of be done. So he really needed that because if he won that, he was going to get the title shot. Yeah, I think both those guys match up well with Volkanovski. But I think Ortega poses a bigger threat 100% due to the, the ground game on top of the striking. I think he made it a point that he wasn't going to take that fight to the ground because he wanted to show everyone that he can strike. And I, I loved... He kept grabbing the leg. He kept grabbing the leg, like making Zombie think about the takedown, but he never did. He never actually yeah. finished it, which was so smart. I don't know that I've really ever seen that either. Like a guy just constantly grab your leg. Like his his reach is so long that he's able to stay standing, grab his leg, and like pull it up, but then just let go of it. And just constantly like making Zombie think about so many different things. Like he, Zombie was wearing the jabs, and then, you know, he was getting his leg pulled. And the next thing you know, boom, spinning elbow, like just so many different looks. He was throwing front kicks. I mean, just like, that was so like one of the more active performances I've seen from mo a lot of fighters. Like, just like you said, it's like, he knew what was ha like coming. Like he knew, like you said, two steps ahead of everything zombie was doing. It was incredible. It was one of the better performances I've seen. I cannot believe he didn't get a performance of the night bonus. That is what killed me. Yeah, especially as like a pretty solid uh, underdog going into that too. So that stinks for him. But yeah, at the same time, like like you just said, when you're able to take people down and you have that submission game or even that wrestling game, kind of the same thing we're probably going to say about Khabib, the, the other person is thinking about that constantly. So if you go in there and make them think otherwise, and then all of a sudden you're throwing spinning elbows and striking all night, they, they didn't game plan for that. You know, like I don't think zombie game plan for striking Ortega. So uh, just hats off to Ortega. Just everything about him that night was incredible. A hundred percent. Super, super excited uh, for that, for that uh, card or for, for, for his title defense anyways, or title, not defense. You know what I mean? God, I'm all over the yeah. place. I'm just too excited for this weekend. That's all I got to say, but let's get to some news before uh, we get into 254. We should add a, add a sound for news for next week. So we, news time, and then boom, click a button. Yeah, like a CNN, like a ticker do, type do, of thing. Do, do, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, think, I don't think we can steal that, though. That's it's less than 10 seconds. <laughs> I don't know. ESPN's pretty, they don't like anything taken of theirs, so I think that we should steer away from that. All right, what do you think? You're the president? I'm yes. Gonna, I'm going to be on that stick. <laughs> hey, call the <laughs> shots, Mr. President, not them. <laughs> call me Mr. President, damn it. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
Um, anyway, yeah, some news. I mean, if, if you do, do you have it pulled up? If not, I can start with something. Uh, I, th- I have the news, but if you want to start with yours, by all means. Well, I was just going to, you know, so I read an article today and it was about the whole Mike Perry thing. And uh, so da- Mike, Mike Perry obviously has been uh, his ex-wife came out and said how Mike Perry used to, you know, beat her. And then, you know, this evidence came out of a 911 calling and all this stuff. And Dana White never addressed it. So in his news conference this week, never addressed it. Um, and so as we know, I mean, Mike Perry has had some issues in the past, drinking issues and everything, but I got to say, it's a little disappointing that Dana White has, you know, said that. So back in the day, I don't know exactly when it was, but Dana White said the UFC normally is a place where we can forget about people's past and, you know, move on from whatever they've done and give them a second chance. The only thing that we are totally against and will not give a second chance is when a man lays a hand on a woman. And since that statement, he has signed Greg Hardy, who obviously never played in the NFL after, or sorry, I guess he played for the Cowboys for a little bit, but his career was basically over after he was found to beat his, his girlfriend or whatever. And then um, you know, there was War Machine. I don't know if you remember War Machine, but he's in jail now for attempted murder of his ex, who was a porn star. And then um, now we're on Mike Perry, who is obviously getting investigated. And obviously there is evidence about it. Um, and not to come out and say anything, like not give any statement or anything. And for the media, not even to ask like a question. Like to me, that bothers me a little bit. Like I think it's a little crazy that, you know, it can all be forgotten so easy. And, you know, I'm not one that's like sitting up here like, oh, well, you know, this person, like I'm not telling them what to do, but I just find it a little crazy that like Dana White can talk about all this other stuff. And he says all this about how he's going to, you know, no fighters can lay hands on women, blah, blah, blah. But then the evidence is right here in front of you. Never gets addressed once after he's come out with that statement. I don't know, a little crazy to me. You know what's weird is that Mike Perry had an incident not too long ago where he got like hammered at a bar on like a Wednesday and punched that guy in the face. Do you, yeah. you remember that? Um, and then Dana White in the UFC stepped in and made him do like anger management. And I think he had to go to rehab for a little bit. But then this happens. And like you said, there's no there's no dialogue or there's no like transparency from Dana White, which is like usually his thing. Usually he addresses everything out in the open like he doesn't hold back at all um so it is very strange he i guess the only thing is maybe because he hasn't been like convicted of it or anything you know it's just kind of like a he said she said at the moment so we don't know if it actually happened but if there is like legal action on it i'm sure dana white will have to take a stance on it but i think it is a a bs move on his part he needs to address that right off the bat and um, Mike Perry, man, he, he's had like a whole history. I think he's been in prison before. Um, so if he had any, if he had any balls, he'd probably just cut him from the UFC. I, my my only thing is with the nine one one call because I did listen to the audio. He was in his car, and apparently he never laid his hands on her. He was just drunk and angry. So I'm not even going to go out and say that he hit her. Okay, I'm not going to say that because there's no. This freaking hair. Yeah, you're gonna fix your curls there, but <laughs> I'm not gonna say that I'm not gonna say that he hit her because there's no evidence of that that in that recording anyway. Um but I'm just saying that it needs to be addressed. Whether he did it or not, I, even if he just said, Look, we're looking into it, 
right. there's still not a lot of details. So until, you know, we get more details, we can't really address it. I'd be fine with that. But I think that something, you know, the fighters need to be held accountable. Just, you know, the NFL, if there's something that happens, boom, right away, the owner, the owner, the GM, whoever steps in, makes a statement on it. And uh, I think that that needs to happen because it is a serious matter. I mean, it, and he, like you said, he has the prior history. I think that's what that's what makes everyone kind of raise those eyebrows. And I think it was bloody the bloody elbow that posted those articles, and they're they're pretty uh, you know they're pretty good um, company. So yeah, I was I was a little surprised by that. Yeah, well, I read the article. I, th- I think it was also on on MMA Junkie, and, and it was um, the girlfriend, or is it the ex wife? I forget. Yeah, but ex-wife. she had like told this whole story of a night that like he came home and he was drunk and he like literally tackled her and started grounding and pounding on her until she, she like broke, she, she heard like a rib crack. And at that point, like he was like tired and he kind of, you know, stepped away. And that's when she like slipped out and uh, called Perry's mom. And then Perry's mom picks her up and they take her home uh, to her home. And then like um, Perry follows them to the house and they were like scared that he was gonna like break in and continue, so they called nine one one, and that's when the nine one nine one one call came in. So there is a whole story behind it of like how she was beaten prior to that, but I guess you know there's no like video, there's no pictures, or, or she did post pictures, I think actually. So the whole mm. thing is is a mess actually. It's terrible. Yeah, and I think that it definitely needs to be needs to be addressed. I mean, there's no reason he should be fighting anytime soon. He's fighting Robbie Lawler. Like the UFC just quickly forgot everything that's happened and he's uh, he's scheduled to fight now. Like that's to me is crazy. Don't be wrong, he's exciting in the octagon. I think he has great potential, but you know, that that can only get you so far. That doesn't make you invincible to society. Yeah, well, like you said, so we saw it with uh, Kareem Hunt a few years back when uh, he had his allegations come out and then he got cut by the Chiefs. Obviously, there was the whole Ray Rice incident, things like that where you just have no option but to stand up for the other party and you just drop them from the team. So in this case, he should be dropped from the UFC because they should not stand for that, obviously. Especially now that they're with ESPN, who is super, you know, they, they're just very conservative and, and they wouldn't want anything like that to like tarnish their reputation. So um, that would be better for them in a PR perspective if they just cut them. 100%, I agree. All right, next news. That's the only news that I have. Aside from the ones that we just got, I don't know if you want to do that one last. Well, it was funny because this is all happening so quickly, but the first thing on my list that had happened a few days ago was that Leon Edwards um, was a number three ranked fighter, and then they were going to take away his ranking. So there's obviously new news that just came out recently that kind of contradicts that. I don't know if you want to kind of go into it. Yeah, so I mean, just as so we had some technical difficulties. So as the we were fixing those, I look at my phone, and Kamzat Shemaev, Leon Edwards booked for December, the last card of the year. Pretty crazy. So they actually, so I guess the terms were Leon Edwards, Leon Edwards accepts this fight, and he gets his number three ranking back. So that's what he did. He accepted the fight, fights Kamzat, but man, what is he doing? Like I think that at this point, that's a tougher fight than if he would have just accepted the Wonder Boy fight. Like, I feel like he has dug himself into a bigger hole. And I'll be honest, I don't know that I've ever seen a fighter stripped of their ranking. And he came out and he said all this stuff that fighters were denying fights with him. They were ducking him. Clearly, that wasn't the case. You know, if, if the UFC was offering him fights, he was accepting and the other people were denying it or declining it. There's no way that they're stripping him of his ranking. 
The only way that you're getting stripped of your ranking is if you've been thrown so many opponents and you say no to all of them. And that's exactly what he's done. And it makes no sense to me. I don't know what, I don't know what it is. It annoys me that he basically lied. Either he lied or the UFC hates him. It's one or the other. And to me, it's looking like he lied. And so like, to me, how do you do that? And then now you're fighting the hottest prospect who seems at this point untouchable. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm excited for Kamzat because I think that it's a, I mean, obviously it's going to be his biggest test. We're going to really know a hundred percent what Kamzat's about because Leon Edwards is a well-rounded fighter. But at this point, man, you're facing a guy who's fought so many times since the start of the year, probably the fastest rising fighter we've ever seen at this point. A guy that was basically unheard of going into 2020 and all of a sudden wins this fight. He's going to be top three, most likely top three, top five. And like, it's just, it's absolutely insane. Like I think Leon Edwards was better off fighting Wonder Boy. And I think honestly, I think it's a lot what I said last time. I think Leon knows he is not that good. He's good, but he is not as good as one, two, or three. And he knows that if he loses a fight, it's going to drop him down the rankings. He was he was trying to hold off till that title shot that never came, and now he's dug himself into this hole. And if he loses this fight, it is not good. Like, he's dropping out of the top five, maybe out of the top ten. <laughs> this, this is the dream matchup for Shemaev. He was calling out every single person in the top 15, waiting for a response back. He was He was getting very close. We were just talking about both Neil Magny and Nate Diaz as potential candidates to fight him. They both expressed interest. Um, was it even Chris Weidman as well who said that he would want to fight him? Yep. Um, and then, for some reason, Leon Edwards is like, yeah, that's a good idea. But it actually is the most backwards-thinking thing you can think of from his perspective because Shamayev is an unranked fighter prospect. Your top three, if you lose this fight, you're going to drop down heavily. Whereas you give Shamayev the open door to just walk right into the top 10, top 5, maybe top 3. Um, and for Shamayev, it's honestly, you know, I don't think he wanted to fight Covington or Burns or any of those guys like in the top 3 or Usman. But Leon Edwards, I mean, why not? That's a, that's a winnable fight for him based on what we've seen. So the whole thing is completely backwards. Um, Steven Wonderboy Thompson, that was the fight to make. He completely botched that. So I, I don't know what Leon Edwards is thinking. Um, he's a little bit delusional. You know, he was calling out Gilbert Burns trying to get the a title contender fight after the Usman fight got pushed back. So I don't think Leon got what he wanted. Maybe he was forced to take it. But it is a bad fight for Leon, and it is a great fight for Kamzat. Well, I think for Leon Edwards, I think it was one of two things. I think you take the fight, and you keep your ranking. You don't take the fight. You drop out of the top 15, whatever, and possibly getting cut from the UFC. And if you get cut from the UFC, you know, Bellator is not paying what the UFC is paying. I mean, that's the closest option, um, but they're not paying, you know, you know, if you're the top three in the UFC, you're making pretty good money. You know, I don't know that in Bellator you're making the same. So I don't know. Very, very odd. Just the whole thing is awkward. Leon Edwards, I think, definitely backed himself into a corner. Um and it, like you said, if your comms out, you got to be happy. It was funny. Someone tweeted two guys that couldn't find opponents are uh, <laughs> finally crossing their crossing paths. But the problem is Leon had a ton of opponents and he 
for whatever reason, I don't understand it. For whatever reason, he turned down the mall. I mean, Wonder Boy or even Masvidal, like those were the two fights to make. He gains nothing by beating Kamzat. He gains nothing because no. Kamzat's unranked. He's he not going to move up. He can he only yeah. He can only lose at this point. He can only lose in this. You know, win if he wins. The only the only positive is he probably keeps his three spot. If he loses. He he's I, I don't know it just it's it's absolutely crazy to me. Yeah, it, it's insane. It makes no sense. Um, he might have just done. He might have just unraveled his whole career right there. That's that's going to be tough. So you better hope he wins. <laughs> he needs to win this fight. This is uh, uh, I can't even believe he took it. He's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Plain and simple, Leon. Sorry, Norton. Leon is an idiot. Coming yep. from Steve. That was from Steve. Yep. Sorry, Norton, but it's true. I don't know how you can defend him at this point. It, there's just too many things that have happened, so he's an idiot. Um, <laughs> the next thing I had, which I thought was awesome, and I did not see this coming at all. I don't think anyone did, but Rob Font is making his, his UFC comeback against Marlon Marias, who's making a quick turnaround. And I just think that is unbelievable for our guy, Rob Font, who, we, who was our first interview on this show. So... Great chance for Rob Font here. Um, for Marlon, from his perspective, I think they're kind of looking for like a bounce back win for him. But hey, Rob Font is good. That's going to be a tough match for him. It's great for Rob Font because if he wins the fight, he's you know inserted himself into title contention possibly. If he you know, and Marlon is definitely looking at this fight as okay. I'm going to go. I'm going to fight Rob, who's what I don't know what his rank is right now, but I'm going to fight. And I think what Marlon's going to try to do is, you know, get this fight against Rob. He's going to try to do- like dominate it. Like he's thinking like first round finish, so he can keep his ranking and like it's going to be more, it'll be more impressive because he took it on short notice rather than, you know, waiting. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I I think oh my god, now Steve's connection is messing up. We've had we've had a heck of a day trying to record this show. Hold Wait, on. Wait, was that me or you? No, it was you. We're fine. I don't know what's going on. We're having some some technical difficulties, but we could keep talking. Um, so yeah, that was. I think that it's a great fight for Rob, a comeback fight. Um, little bit of a risky fight for Marlon, though. It is, and I get what he's trying to do because they were saying, you know, he's been fighting like top level talent in and out for the last few years has not been having as much success. So he needs to kind of find himself again. So they're looking for a lesser opponent, but I believe Rob Font's on like a two fight win streak. He's number 11 ranked. Like he's hungry. He's coming back from uh, his injury that he's recovering from. So he's going to be hungry because if he wins this fight, I mean, this is the biggest fight of his career. That's, that's a gateway into the top five for him. So absolutely massive for Rob Font. And I would be, uh, on upset alert on Marlon Marias. Hundred percent. I'm super stoked for for uh, Rob as well. Um, all right. Any other news? Uh, honestly, no, because I, I did have like the the whole Mike Perry report that came out, but we touched upon that. Um, but it was kind of like a slow news week for the most part. Not too much going on. The only other like, and it's not even that important. But Dana White basically shut down the idea that Poirier and Connor will fight at 170. 
because it makes no sense at all to anyone. Like, if it's going to happen, it has to happen at 155, where they're both ranked. It will have implications for the title fight. Um, but that was, you know, that's pretty minor. I think people expected it to actually end up at 155. Yeah, no, I... I... It doesn't make sense, and I agree. You know, I agree with Dana. Honestly, like, I, I there's no reason why that fight should be at 55. No reason whatsoever. Um, so, no, I'm with Dana White on that one. Doesn't make any sense to me. He needs to. Uh, that fight needs to happen at 155, 100. percent Yeah. So it's not even really news. It was just something that came out because they wanted. I, I don't know. I think Connor wanted to fight at 170, but. I don't really understand that from his perspective, too, because if he's going to eventually fight Pacquiao, I'm pretty sure he's going to have to cut weight for that. So I, I don't know where his, his head is at. I never do. No one does. Yeah, I was going to say, does anybody ever know where his head is at? <laughs> uh, but that was it for news. There was That was uh, the big things that we touched upon, but after that, there, it was pretty slow. All right, so that's going to do it for news. We can move on to our picks this week. Um, before we get to the main event picks though, we have a couple voicemails, so we'll listen to those and then we'll break down the main event. So we'll go through our, our picks, um, for the other fights quick first. Um, if that works for you guys. Sure. Carrie, you haven't said one word. I feel like this whole entire show. I've, I've said a few words here and there. Oh yeah. That I look like George Washington. Yeah. I, the president. I feel, I feel like I got picked up and body slammed. That's, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here in a little pain. I got a question. What's better, his wig right now or the hat, the brimless hat? Oh, the wig. I'll take the wig over that <laughs> stupid brimless hat any day. The brimless hat's coming back next week. Hope not. No, it's not. It can't. Oh, no, for on Monday. Oh, stupid. Because we have a guest. I'm not gonna really? Look is, that that, much. is that how you want to present yourself to our guest? Yeah. Looking like that? <laughs> yeah. Wear the wig. <laughs> Go with the wig. That'll be more respectable than that stupid brimless hat. Nope. All right. Anyway, finally, it's here. Well, UFC 254 is here, but this fight, Iwan Kutelaba versus Magomed Ankalaev, we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And I'm not going to say it's definitely here yet because we still have tomorrow. Who knows? But it looks like it's happening. So fingers crossed. Looks like it's happening. We've made picks for this fight now two times. And it's been canceled twice because of COVID. Um, so, fingers crossed it, it stays well. Also, I want to quick give a quick shout-out to Miranda Maverick, making her debut tomorrow. Good luck to her. She's going to kill it. Um, the stare-down was pretty intense. I don't know if you saw it. I didn't. I did the, the, girl, it. the girl in her face said, I'm going to kill you. Oh, my God. Yeah. Don't say She's that such a lovely, lovely girl. Yeah. So, Miranda was pissed. She was posting about it all on social media. So, uh yeah, that one's going to be a feisty one. I'm excited. It's going to be that's spicy. A, that's an early prelim, too. So that's yeah, like, like 10 o'clock, 10.30. That might be the first fight. Second fight. It's the second, second one. Second fight? Yeah. Oh, nice. I'm so excited, man. I'm, I think I'm going to live stream. I think I'm going to live stream like on Twitter. From where? My phone, just like watching that fight because uh, that's our girl now. So I think I'm going to do that with all fighters that we have on is I'm going to like live stream my reactions to the fight. On people that we've had on the show. Yeah, this is the first fight where like we've interviewed them and then they're actually fighting on live television, a pay-per-view at that. So this is uh, this is exciting stuff for us too. Yeah, I agree. I'm super stoked for her. Uh, but yeah, anyway, Magomed, Magomed Ankalaya versus Iwan Kutelaba. I'm going Magomed. 
Ankalaev, uh, and I'm going to go by knockout. He's been waiting so long. It seems like they both, I think, had COVID. I think one, you know, Kutelava might have been the first time, Ankalaev the second or whatever. Um, you know, I'm, I don't really like Iwan Kutelava. I don't really like how he carries himself. Ankalaev had won the first fight. Um, obviously that controversial stoppage, this is the third time this fight has been booked the last two times it's been, or sorry, fourth time it's been booked. Um, but yeah, so I'm going Kutela or Inkalaev by TKO. My wife keeps calling me. You, uh, you want to take that or <sighs> no, Go ahead. no you guys mean, can make your picks. I'll you be can, back. You can edit it. Yeah. You All guys right. can make your picks. Well, nice, um... Steve, you're up. All right, so, yeah, this one's tough because we've had to choose four different times at this point, so I keep going back and forth, and I truly believe Ankalaev is uh, far and away a better fighter. He's much more well-rounded. He's much more fundamental. He's a better striker. We saw it pretty clearly in the early fight in uh, February 2020. He was piecing him up all night in the first few minutes. Uh, Bad stoppage there. There's bad blood here. I, I like that aspect of it. Um, so it makes a lot of sense to go with Ankalaev, but I really want this fight, this card, this main card to start off with some fireworks. Kutelaba, I think we mentioned it to you before, his nickname is the Hulk. Sometimes he just comes in, shirt off, all green. He just flexes like the Hulk at his weigh-ins. Um, the guy is crazy. He has a ton of knockout power, and I want to see that happen in the first fight in this main card. So Kutelaba, TKO, it's going to happen. Boo! We can't go Kute Lava. He's a he's a punk. Nah, he's a beast, dude. He's gonna go crazy. This the bad blood. Here, someone's getting finished for sure. So oh, yeah. I, I think Kute Lava can land the one shot and take him out. There ain't too many. There ain't too many fights where there's real bad blood. So this is one to be exciting. Um, you know, as much as I want to go Kute Lava, uh, La, La Chupacabra, since we're coming up to Halloween, that's like the the Mexican devil, you know. I'm just looking at the numbers here, and it doesn't look like like he's got what it takes. Uh, I'm gonna have to agree with with uh, George Washington over here and go Uncle Layev, Uncle 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 Layev. Uh, I'm gonna go with TKL. I'm not even gonna look at the numbers this week. I'm just you know I, I feel like when I do my picks, I look too much into the stats. My my picks drag out. I talk too much. I'm not doing that this week. I'm just gonna I'm just going by, you know what I know. Be president of a few words. Indeed, I just I just have to say I looked at the card and it's gonna be it's gonna be an easy week for me to make picks. I got a lot really? to work with here. You should come over. I'm buying it tomorrow. It starts at two thirty. The You're pay-per-view. Buying? Yeah, it starts at two thirty. Yeah. So you don't. It's on a late night for you. Wait, is that when the main card starts? Yeah. The yeah. Prelims start at ten thirty. Uh, we'll be done by like five thirty six. How about you come over here? Kayla, and, and I paper. can't. Kayla's coming over, bringing food. She can come over here. No, nope, can't. I already got it. And Taylor's off, so. Listen, you always want me to come here. I'm sorry. It's easy. I have the nicer TV. I don't have a couch. Listen, okay. It's got 10 inches, which is only five <laughs> inches on a diagonal. That's <laughs> 10 inches is a big deal to some people. Yeah. Hey, size doesn't <laughs> matter. <laughs> uh, all right. So then we got Lauren Murphy versus Lily Lilia Shakirova. 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 Shakira. Um, I'm going Lauren Murphy in this one. Lauren Murphy, seasoned vet, taking the fight on short notice, so it's going to be a little difficult for her. Um, but yeah, I'm going Lauren Murphy. Uh, she's a savage. She's like, you know, she's always just in wars. I feel like finds a way to get it done. Super veteran. 
Yeah, Lauren Murphy. Uh, go decision. So I, I looked into this one a little bit. Um, what could you call her, Shakira? So Shakira making her UFC debut. She fights out of like Uzbekistan, and she's in a Russian promotion. And I looked at like her last like three fights, and they're all against fighters who had zero pro fights on their record. So that not a is good uh, look. not a good look for her. It's obviously a very low level of competition. Um, she even has a loss on her record to someone who only had one pro fight. And she's going against Lauren Murphy, who's on a two-fight win streak against tough competition. She's a veteran. She's seen it all. Uh, she's actually kind of a knockout artist in the in the women's division. So to me, this is a, one of the biggest locks of the night. You got to go Lauren Murphy TKO here. Um, you know, a lot of the times I make my pick beforehand, and then I kind of listen to you guys. I I think. You know, you made it pretty easy, but I'm going to go with my little thing here anyway. On one side, you got Murphy. If you know anything about Murphy's Law, anything that anything bad that can happen can happen. But then you got Shakirova, right? And I got a feeling tonight the hips won't lie and the kick might, you know, find its way on on Murphy's chin. Uh, but listening to you guys... Oh, did, you, did you get the I, I got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah I, I got, got it. <laughs> um... So, so I mean, just listening to you guys, you know, talk, talking about Shakira and how how she hasn't really fought a worthy opponent. I'm gonna have. I feel like I have to go with Murphy, and hopefully Murphy's law stays out of the way. So we'll go Murphy, and I'll go with Steve on a TKO. All right. Next we got Jacob Malk Malkoon or Malkin. I think it's Malkoon um, versus Philip Hawes. Uh, Philip Hawes was just on the Contender series, wasn't he? He was, yes. And he had that crazy knockout, right? He did. Yeah, I'm. I'm Philip Hawes is like he's just one of those. Sh- he's super strong. Comes in as as a heavy favorite to make his UFC debut. Um, I'm gonna go Hawes by TKO. His last knockout was nasty. Super super strong guy. Um, yeah, I like Hawes in this in this fight. Yeah, this is another weird one. So Hawes um, lost his original Dana White Contender Series fight in 2017. Then he wins a few in like Bellator and uh, Brave, and then eventually gets another shot at the Dana White Contender Series, and that's what happened. He won that one with a good finish, and now he's in the UFC. Um, so this is technically his UFC debut. Uh, same with Jacob Malkoon, also his UFC debut. He's only 4-0 in a pro record, so kind of similar, very inexperienced fighter. Um, Haas only has 10 pro fights, but at least it's at better competition, so... It's it just like it's really hard to pick those types of fighters where you don't know where they came from. The only thing I could find on Malcolm was that he trains in the same gym as Whitaker. He's an Australian fighter. So there could be something to that. Um, but I I don't know. You know what? Yeah, let's go Malcolm Surprise TKO. Uh, you know, what's funny is how about Philip Hawes? You lose your UFC Dana White Contender Series first fight. You come back your second fight. You win in spectacular knockout. And now you make your UFC debut on the main card of a huge pay-per-view. That's yeah. a pretty that's a pretty cool way to go in, especially not even for just for him, but Malkoon making his debut. And then you have Sh- Shakirova, who's also making her debut. So to make your UFC debut, we got three of them here. And all three on, on a huge card. That's pretty sick. I, I want to say, like, it's very surprising to see the Malkoon Haas on this main card. And not even as the opener. It, it's uh, it's strange, but I do think 
you know, Whitaker trained with Malkoon and he's on the same card. Whitaker's obviously fighting. So I feel like that happens sometimes where they kind of say like, hey, I'm fighting, but I want this guy to come with me. I, got, I think the same thing happened with Izzy. He had like four of his guys who fought on the same card as him. So there's probably something to that. But yeah, hey, if you get a huge finish on this pay-per-view, that's great for your name. Well, there's definitely, there's got to be some sort of influence because Ty Tuivasa's back and he got yeah, cut exactly. from the UFC. Um, that fight could have been on the main card and replaced one of like the, that could have replaced the Lauren Murphy fight. And then I think the, the Casey Kenny Nathaniel Wood fight is going to be electric. And that could have replaced that, uh, the, the Philip Hawes fight and been on the main card too. Casey yep. Kenny's making a, a really big, a quick turnaround. That's a catch weight. Um, so that fight is really, really interesting as well. And then you got Alex Cowboy Oliveira also fighting. So and Sam Alvey. So a lot of a lot of good fights on this card um, that probably could have taken the place of those two. But either way, they're going to be great fights. It's going to be a great card all the way around. So super excited for that. Sorry, Carrie. I know you're waiting to make your pick. No, it's fine. Um, I, th- I think what's going to happen here is Malcoon the Monsoon is going to just rain down on Hawes and leave him in awe. Wow. Uh, so uh, I'm going with Malcoon and I'm also going to make that. I'm coming for you. A scary carry for Zach. Uh, so, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take a decision, and uh, and scary carry for Zach. All right. Uh, hopefully, I don't lose, so I don't have to wear the stupid wig. <laughs> um. All right. Next one. Super excited for this one. Really great fight. Alexander Volkov versus Walt Harris. Um. I'm gonna go right. Off. I'm gonna go with Walt Harris. He's plus one sixty five underdog. But based on what I've seen from Volkov, his last couple fights is he has struggled against fighters that are similar to Walt Harris. So Walt Harris, I mean, don't get me wrong. Volkov has all the tools, very good on the ground, super tall fighter can keep his distance. He's a great fighter, but I feel like he has struggled with guys that have fight styles similar to Walt Harris. I think the only way Walt Harris loses this fight is the gas tank. That's the only thing that really makes me question Walt Harris in any of his fights. He always seems to gas out. I know his last fight, it was coming with heavy heart after his daughter was found murdered obviously so that was a really big uh big fight for him and obviously didn't go his way fought a really tough opponent in Overeem but um no I I just think that Walt Harris matches up pretty well with Volkov um as far as you know the boxing I know Volkov keeps his distance but um Walt Harris I don't know I I like him in this fight I feel like he matches up decent um but at the same time I could see this fight really going either way it really you know what we're going to get from Volkov, right? We've all seen it. It's it's the same formula every single time, which is great. Super consistent. He's very well-rounded. Very, very good fighter. I think really the only way we're going to know how this fight goes is what we see from Walt Harris in the first round. Um, you know, he's he's brought a couple different versions of himself as far as being in shape and how long can he go in, into the fight and stuff like that. So I think if his cardio is good, I think if, if he's physically... Um, in great shape. I think that this fight leans towards him. I think that if he comes out and he's sucking wind after the first round, Volkov is going to tear him apart. Um, But I'm going to go with the underdog here. I'm going to go Walt Harris. I'm going to go KO. We've seen Volkov keep his chin high. Derek Lewis um, knocked him out. I think I've I've gone almost all KOs here to start. Um, But yeah, I like Walt Harris's. I think think Volkov might might uh, push the pace a little bit. But we've seen him push the pace and then, you know, wear a big punch from Derek Lewis. And I think Walt Harris has that kind of power. So I'm um, going to go Walt Harris here. Yeah, this is an intriguing matchup. 
So Volkov's number seven currently, Walt Harris number 10. Um, I don't really think the level of talent of these guys, I don't think either of them is really going to make a run for the title, especially, you know, Walt Harris is kind of, I think he's like 36, 37 years old. Um, I think we've seen the best of him already. I was not obviously impressed when I saw him fight Overeem, but like you said, that was a very troubling time for him. His mind wasn't in it. Um, so I don't think that's a true indicator of how he fights. Um, and he did actually catch Overeem in that early on, so he almost had the finish there. So he's totally capable of landing that big shot. And I think you said it correctly when you said the first round is going to be kind of everything because the longer the fight goes on, we already know Volkov can go five rounds even. We've seen him do that. Super well-rounded fighter. He's very technical. Um, he's going to have the three-inch reach advantage. So I, I do favor Volkov in this respect. I, I just think he's just a better fighter overall, more well-rounded. Um, definitely Walt Harris can catch him. But I don't think, like, Volkov had that happen to him against Derek Lewis in, like, the last five seconds of the fight. I don't think he's going to get caught. He's too smart. So I do have Volkov winning this, and I'm going to go by decision. Definitely a tough matchup for Walt Harris. But, you know, if, if, the, if any fight is going to keep his name relevant, it's got to be this one. Because if he loses this one, it's he's out of the top ten. Yep. He's already out of the top 10. No, he's number 10, so he's out of the he's top 10, 10 then. Um, this this one was a tough one for me. Um, Why? You really love both fighters? <laughs> uh, no, it's just because if, if you've listened to any of the episodes, you know I don't like the French, and, and Harris rhymes with Paris. <laughs> However, the French uh, uh, parliamentary uh, just dealt a, a, a huge win for, for gender equality in France. So how could you not go with a guy whose last name, you know, rhymes with the capital of France? So I'm going to go Harris. I'm going to go Knockout. I, I thought about making that to Scary Carry, but I'm not real sure. So I'm, no, I'm going to save it. No, I'm going to save it. That's an, I it. think that, that would be an easy one for Steve if, if I want it. you did. Yeah. <laughs> ah, I want Steve to keep wearing the wig. All right. Now we go to the co-main. Listen, the last three fights I'm pretty excited for. This fight... I'm almost just as excited for this fight as I am the main event um, because, one, I love Robert Whitaker. All right? I've loved him. I love Darren Till. I love both those guys. It was a great fight. But I also like Cannoneer. I think what Cannoneer has done, you know, fighting in all those weight classes and then finally finding one where his power really plays, and he looks just like such a totally different dude, um, that intrigues me. I'm intrigued by Cannoneer. The betting lines, this is basically a pick 'em fight. You know, the, the lines are super close. Um, I just, I have a hard time going with Cannoneer one because Rob Whitaker has more experience. He's the former champ. Two, Cannoneer has, has not fought in so long. That, that really always kills me. Like, because you don't know. Like, you just don't know. Obviously, Ortega took a while, but we knew, we now know what he's been doing. You don't know all the time. Robert Whitaker just was in a great fight with Darren Till, who I think matches up well against both of these guys. Um, I don't. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Robert Whitaker, and I'm gonna go by. I'm gonna go by decision. I think this is gonna be a brawl. Like I think this is gonna be back and forth brawl. Um, you know, Cannoneer is a knockout artist, obviously at this weight class. Um, but I, I just, it's hard to pick against the former champ, and I think. You know, I just, I don't know. I don't think Cannoneer is there. I, I, I like him. I really do. But I think, I don't know that we've seen enough of him at middleweight either. Like, I feel like he's still so new 
to the division. He made a really quick climb because of how quick and vicious his knockouts have been. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's it's very. This is this is a really this was really tough for me to pick this fight because I really don't know. Like, I like Whitaker, very good counter striker. I like Cannoneer because physically he's very very strong in that division. Very good power. Um, obviously we've seen Whitaker get knocked out, but that was from Izzy. You know, Izzy is a is like you know like you say always oh, say there's levels. And Izzy is, like, if there's 10 levels, Izzy is level 10 of striking. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's tough. So I'm going to go Rob Whitaker by decision. But really, really tough, tough call on this. I, I think it's actually very surprising that the odds makers would make this a pick just based on, you know, Whitaker's track record of being the ex-champ. He just comes off a amazing win off of Darren Till, who's a great fighter. And then, like you said, Cannonier, we haven't really seen too, too much of him. So it's, it's interesting that they put it out as a pick'em. Um, but they both had very interesting roads, like Whitaker, you know, he defended his title a few times, then he gets injured, he's off for like a year and a half, and he's made a pretty good comeback so far. And then we've seen Cannoneer drop from heavyweight down to light heavyweight, down to middleweight. Uh, the dude comes in in incredible shape. He is got to be the strongest person in that division. Um I had just rewatched his fight against Jack Hermanson, and we've seen what Jack Hermanson's capable of doing. Great fighter. And he was able to kind of just shrug off his takedowns and eventually land the power shot. And when he has you down, you're not getting back up. And that, to me, was something that I think Till was able to knock down Whitaker in the first round of their fight. But if he gets caught by Cannonier at all, he's going to go down. Um, and I think the three-round fight kind of favors Cannonier in that respect. If it's a five-round fight, we don't really know where his cardio is at, whereas Whitaker, we know he can do it. So I'm actually going to go with Cannonier in this one. Um, he's going to have the three-inch reach advantage too, which is actually going to be tough for Whitaker to get inside, get in and out, and not get caught. So I have Cannonier winning by TKO. So just a quick uh, look into Cannonier's fight history here. He's beat Iwan Kutelava, lost to Glover Teixeira, beat Nick Rorick, I don't even know who that is, lost to Jan Blahovich, lost to Dom Reyes, beat David Branch, TKO, so his last three wins, TKO, TKO, TKO. David Branch, who is eh, his chin's been questionable. Anderson Silva, eh, back end of his career, so not super, super impressive. Jack Hermanson is the one that really put him over the top, that TKO against Jack Hermanson, obviously based on who Jack Hermanson is and, and obviously his, you know, like you said, his ability to take guys down. So I think it's an intriguing matchup, but I still think Whitaker's track history is just much better. And so I think that's what kind of puts him, you know, a little bit above. Yeah, the reach advantage is big, but, you know, Rob Whitaker is another elite-level striker. Um, so, and I feel like Cannoneer is, has done well against guys who – seem to be more wrestling based fighters like you know obviously obviously Jack Hermanson can strike but you know he's better on the ground um Anderson Silva at this point in, in his career is a great striker but not what he was so I don't really that's not that that impressive either for me yeah no I, I agree I think um Whitaker's experience we know he was literally the ex-champ of this division. Like, we know where he stands. He 
can be potentially better than Izzy. I think like if they have a rematch, that's going to go a whole different way. Um, I think he really is like neck and neck with him. Cannonier, we don't know. Like his his previous record has been so up and down. Like you don't really know is he getting lucky right now or is he just kind of really found his groove at 185. So uh, we're going to find out. It's going to be an awesome matchup. This definitely could be fight of the night. Um, I think this is going to be the battle of of, of uh, the brains versus the brawn, right? On you got Whitaker, which if you break down his name, he's the wit taker, right? He 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 takes the wits, knocks him right out of you. On the other hand, you got Cannoneer. It's right there in his name, man. He's Cannoneer. He's got cannons on him, right? He's gonna be dropping those heavy blows. But I think I think Whitaker, the wit taker, is just gonna he's gonna knock the knock the smarts right out of Cannoneer. And uh, I'm going to go Whitaker, but I'm going to go Knockout. And that'll also... Oh, oh, tough one, Steve. Be my, my scary carry against Steve. That's, That's a tough, tough one. <laughs> Steve's like, damn it. <laughs> Listen, I like Cannoneer, but like... I don't like him that much. Really, it's Whitaker. Like, if he wins, I'm going to be like, All right, well, obviously, it's Whitaker. Come on, he's a reaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I just like the way you look in that wig too much, man. His, it's too perfect. His nickname is the Reaper too. Whitaker. Rob the Reaper Whitaker. Uh, the Wit Taker's better. <laughs> uh, all right. So before we we make picks for the the pay per view, I want to play our. We have three um, voicemails. I want to play the three. We can kind of answer them, and then we can make the picks after. Because I think after we answer all three, we should basically uh, have a good. We we basically would have dissected it already so um i don't know if you can hear them though so that's i i i, I know we'll we can be coming through the desktop audio we'll be good okay hey guys i just wanted to let you know i love the content keep it up uh, i look forward to hearing you know future episodes and future interviews so uh yeah just like i said just keep up the great content thank you bye all right well that one isn't uh <laughs> that one's not dissecting too could you hear it i can't hear anything uh, oh you couldn't hear really Huh. That's well, the fans can hear it. Uh, that was just a calling in to let us know he enjoys the show, basically. Thank so, you. So thank you to... I know who it was. Okay, yeah. All right, here we go. This one is... is uh... Hey, this is Babcock from the All Out of Bubblegum podcast. And, uh, yeah, I've been a key... I've been a Khabib fan since day one. Uh... Love the dude. Ground and Pound is absolutely phenomenal. He's one of the few that makes it entertaining to watch just as much as stand-up. And Gaethje uh, harnesses violence better than anybody in the UFC right now. Kind of reminds me of a prime Robbie Lawler. Just absolutely ruthless in his approach to destroy his opponents. So you're going to get the wood chipper versus the boulder kind of scenario here. And we'll see if Gaethje can keep his back off the fence, um, keep the fight in the middle of the ring, and land those low leg kicks, the calf kicks. See where uh, see where Khabib's at with his. Uh, we know that that third round is going to be key. Uh, Connor stuffed takedowns third round. Alcantara stuffed takedowns in the third round. If Gaethje, we know Gaethje's got the heart. He can last if he gets to that third round. He can stuff some takedowns. The fight's going to get real interesting. So let me know what you guys think. And, uh, yeah, look forward to listening to the podcast. All right. So uh, Babcock, thanks for the thanks for the message there. 
Um, so he basically said, because Steve, you can't hear it, so I'll kind of recap it for you. Basically, third round is going to be super important because over Khabib's last couple fights, the third round is where his takedowns seem to kind of stop working. He almost gets a little bit tired in the third round. The takedowns aren't as effective. Um, and you have two different approaches. You got Khabib who makes the ground and pound super exciting because, you know, he, he's like a lot of times people are like, oh, this fight's so boring because it's on the ground. Nothing's happening. But Khabib is just so dominant that it's like it's almost like I cannot like he literally is smothering like to the point where like the like he the guy's never going to get off the ground. Like it's it's almost frustrating to watch because you're just like, get up, get up. And he, they just can't get up like he's. He's insane, and he, he obviously throws ridiculous ground and pound. And then he also said then you have uh, Gaethje, who if this fight stays in the middle of the octagon, Gaethje's going to tear him apart with leg kicks and, and you know basically chip him down and just start raining punches, kind of like what he did with Tony. Um, so he said it's kind of contradicting both fight styles. Um, he doesn't really, you know, he doesn't know if Gaethje can stop the takedowns. He thinks it goes in Gaethje's favor. I totally agree. Um so yeah, that, that was basically a synopsis of what he said. Um, and he said the third round is going to be telling. I do think that we see all five rounds. I do. I think we see all five rounds. Um, I don't because Gaethje is such a warrior that even if he gets taken down in a round or two and wears some punches, I don't think that he's going to get TKO'd. I think that if he's going to get finished on the ground, it would be by submission, kind of almost like what happened with Poirier. Um, but Gaethje's takedown defense is also very good. I don't know uh, what what your take is on that. Yeah, I mean it's it's super interesting to think about how this is all going to play out because usually every single Khabib fight goes the same exact way. So really, what we're looking for here is is Gaethje going to be able to somehow disrupt that flow and kind of change things up? And I think the way he's going to do that is one he's going to have to. Put potentially stop the takedowns. I don't know how good he'll be able to do that. We don't really see his takedown defense that much, so that's going to be a question mark going into it. But also, if he's able to stop those takedowns, can he land like those early like calf kicks, leg kicks that people have been doing a lot to kind of slow down the opponents, which would be a great thing for him to utilize early on. Um, so yeah, I just really think it's a matter of one, is he going to be able to stuff the takedowns? But two, if he gets taken down, will he be able to get back up? And I personally don't think he's going to be able to, to fight him off that long. I think Khabib usually always finds his way in, and he will get control at some point. Um, and I, I think Gaethje's really – he'll probably do a good job early on, maybe in round one. But I think Khabib's going to have his way at some point, probably starting in round two. All right, we got one more voicemail, and then we can – Make the rest of our, make the rest of our picks. Hey, Vince here. Uh, I'm just wondering if you guys think that Gaethje actually, if you even think he has a shot this weekend. Um, I really hope he does. Uh, if you do think he does, what do you think he has to do to get the win this weekend? So basically, uh, this was from Vince. Uh, if you think, do you think Gaethje has a shot to actually win this weekend? If you do, what does he have to do to win? Um, I'll be honest. I think this is the problem. And this has been the problem with everybody that, that Khabib has fought. We all get sucked into, is this going to be the guy that does it? Is this going to be the person that does it? We did this. I feel like we had the same conversation about Poirier because Poirier has the wrestling background. He has the takedown defense, 
But much like Adesanya is that next level of striking, Khabib is that next level of wrestling. Um, I do think Gaethje has a shot. I think the leg kicks are definitely something that Khabib has not faced before. Like I think that Gaethje's ability to to throw the leg kicks is is at a higher level than anyone that Khabib has fought. Um, I also think that Gaethje's very good at running, like moving backwards and throwing significant shots. Um, he kind of, you know, he did press a lot in the Ferguson fight, but early on, Ferguson was the guy pressing the pace, pushing the pace, and Gaethje was just kind of firing. Um, so I, I, I think I think Gaethje has a shot. Um, and, and I'll be honest, Khabib looked depleted on the scales. He did, and that, that, now that doesn't always mean anything, okay? Because I mean, it, it's not really about how you look on the scales; it's really how you replenish between the scales and fight. Um, but so I'm not going to say that means a lot. Khabib has struggled many times to make weight and then comes on and puts on hell of a performance. Um, but yeah, I don't, I think Gaethje definitely has a shot. I, I think he does. I think anybody in any fight has a shot. Let's be honest. Um, and I'm not going to say that he's the best bet to beat, beat Khabib though, because Al Iaquinta put on a hell of a fight against Khabib. Like the first two rounds, I think were, were really, really close. And it was after that, that Khabib kind of turned it on um but i think gaichi i think if gaichi can keep this fight going until the third end of the like third fourth fifth round i think the fight kind of leans into his favor i think that if khabib you know has to kind of the, the more khabib shoots for takedowns and the more that he struggles to land takedowns the more tired he's gonna get and i think that moves into gaichi's favor we've seen gaichi's gas tank the dude is just an animal he does not get finished easy I think his heart is greater of anyone that Khabib has fought. And I think that is also something to look at. And I know we talk heart and maybe it's a little cliche, but I think Gaethje's heart is much bigger than what, than what any of the other opponents is. And he, his will to win is just that much greater. I think, I think the only person that is close to him is Tony Ferguson. And we saw what happened in that fight. Ferguson just, I mean, didn't stop constantly moving. Um, Listen, Gage. I, I like Khabib. Khabib is a legend, possibly a goat. He's definitely got to be in the consideration. But Gaethje has been one of my favorite fighters since he's come to the UFC. I love the guy. I love who he is. You know, he is so, like I love the fact that yesterday they were taking pictures, and obviously both of them are holding the belt because Gaethje's the interim champ. He took the belt away and gave it away. Like he doesn't want the belt. He wants the real belt, not the interim title. I love that. To me, that is G status. And because of that, I'm going Gaethje, and I'm gonna go by I'm gonna go by decision. I don't think that I don't think Khabib gets finished unless Gaethje throws a crazy you know shot. And I mean that's the thing. I feel like we haven't even seen Khabib's chin really be questioned. I mean he did get a little rattled I think on one of the shots that that Connor threw, but we don't really see Khabib get get hit a lot. So I think that that's another thing. I think that like Gaethje said, he causes damage. And Khabib has not dealt with damage, really. And if he can kind of, you know, just nag him with little jabs, little jabs, leg kicks, just little things, I think as the fight progresses, it's going to lead to gate into Gaethje's favor. And uh, I really like him later in the rounds in this fight. So I'm kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum with you. Um, I think he does not really have a chance. Um, but I do think, like, what he needs to do is to just bring the fight to Khabib, like completely disrupt, like I said, disrupt the flow because 
there's kind of a pattern of how Khabib's going to do this fight. We've seen it time and time again. You need to do something different early on to disrupt that. So whether it's establishing those leg kicks early on, the calf kicks, or it's landing a couple of big shots that kind of rattle his cage a little bit, you need to bring the fight to him because you always see the fighter against Khabib is on the defensive. You need to be on the offensive. You need to bring the fight to him, make him uncomfortable because 99.9% of the time he's going to get position and make you uncomfortable. And what we see is like early on, if he gets you down, even after just one round of Khabib on top of you, you're kind of gassed after that. So you need to like early on make this about you bringing the fight to him. Um, But I don't see that happening. Khabib is potentially the greatest to ever do it. Um, he is, we keep talking about Gaethje and how he has wrestling background, and he definitely does have a solid wrestling background. You're talking about Khabib, who is the best wrestler in the division, maybe in the UFC. You've, we've never seen anyone do what he's doing, and at a consistent level where he's just never lost. I don't even know if he's ever lost a round, to be honest. Um, so I think it's kind of, yeah, Gaethje's a great fighter. Um, we've seen people like him, Connor, great striker, Poirier, great striker, similar fighter to Gaethje. They've all come up short. No one has really even given Khabib like any sort of. Iaquinta. Like Al Iaquinta did pretty good. Michael uh, Michael Johnson did okay. Yeah. Um, so both of them, yeah, they might have done a little bit, but I don't know. I just don't see it happening. I don't think Gaethje's going to be able to get it done. I just think that Khabib is going to eventually land the takedowns early on. He's going to do the same exact thing we've seen, apply the pressure, put you in uncomfortable positions, land the ground and pound. You're going to be tired after two or three rounds. Um, But like you said, Gaethje's heart is definitely there. I think he's not going to get finished. So I'm going to go with Khabib by decision. This This is going to be a battle, I feel like. I, and and I don't even know much, but I feel like this one's going to be a battle. I saw I saw the clip of Gaethje, you know, with the belt, and he said, "I don't want this belt." You know, he doesn't want the interim belt. He wants uh, Khabib's belt. So the thing is, K- Khabib's standing right, and 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 there's a there's a gate there. There's a gate that Gaethje's got to get through to take away the belt from Khabib. Right. The thing is. I, I think Gaethje's the one with the gate key, right? He's gonna be able to bust that gate down, beat Khabib, and take that belt. So I'm 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 going with Gaethje. I, I think you have to. I think he's got a lot of heart. Not that not that Khabib doesn't. I saw a clip of him earlier where he's just he's beating. Uh, he was beating uh, McGregor, and uh, I, I forget who the other fighter was. And he's just talking to him like nobody's taking this from me. Like oh, yeah. I deserve this more than anybody. So he's got a lot of heart too. But I think Gaethje. Has a lot of pent up aggression with that interim belt, and he wants the real one. I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna take it. Gaethje definitely has a lot of anger because everyone's overlooking him and already talking Khabib versus GSP, and I think that that's bothering him a lot. Um, yeah, Gaethje seems like the kind of guy that that would, you know, if he loses this fight, he's gonna take the interim belt and just put it in his garage to collect dust, like hang it somewhere, not even hang it in the garage, like put it in a bin somewhere, and it's just gonna collect dust, like. He's not going to get a victory, like a moral victory for having an interim belt. Like, he doesn't give a shit about that. So, um, yeah, no, I, I love Gaethje, but I, how do you not like Khabib, too? Like, it's such a difficult... Like, you're almost going to be sad either way and happy at the same time. Like, you're going to be happy for Khabib because, 
I think if he wins this fight, I mean, he might have already cemented his legacy as the GOAT. But if he wins this fight, he's officially run through every person in that division other than Tony. Um, so, you know, it's great for him if he wins the fight. And then if Gaethje wins it, it's like, man, like the man to dethrone the GOAT. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. just one of those things that you're going to be happy for whoever wins and you're going to be sad for whoever loses because both are good guys. Both have super respect for one another um so it's just it's gonna be a great pay-per-view great main event I, I can tell you right now like i'm gonna get you ever get like the nervous jitters like on a big fight like i'm gonna get the nervous jitters in this fight because i just like it's not it's not like a matter of i care who wins it's just like one of those like it's gonna be electric and we all and it's so anticipated everyone's been waiting so long for this so it's it's super super exciting yeah, this really could be the biggest fight of the year, and it's definitely one of those ones where you're going to have to stand up, you're pacing back and forth. It doesn't really really matter who wins to you, but like you just know like sparks are going to fly, like the level of competition is is huge and it's like it's just like Khabib, dude. Like he doesn't fight that often and when he does, you have to tune in to see if you know is going to be that guy to take it from him. But I think, you know, Khabib's dad passed away as well. That's a huge thing people are talking about always in his corner. He's not going to have him um, so people are saying, you know, maybe mentally he's not going to be 100%. But I think, if anything, that might even add another layer of motivation. Um, I think Khabib is going to end his career undefeated, and he'll probably be the second best to ever do it outside of John Jones. Yeah, I, th- I think the only thing to really watch is this, the, the weight cut was definitely difficult. He didn't think he was going to make weight. I don't know if you saw the video, but when they told him he made the weight, he looked up to the sky, looked like he was going to cry, and like, was like thank god like he did not yeah. think he was going to make weight so again not not something to totally like dwell on it but it is something that you can think about because it depends like some guys okay they can rehydrate whatever do fine between then and the fight other guys maybe their body takes some time to recover so i don't know it's not something to look too much into but just something to think about and uh oh wait did this carry make did you make your pick yet or not yeah. yet yeah. Yeah, 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 man. Gaethje's got the gatekey. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's the wig. Going crazy. <laughs> Cutting off the but, circulation. Uh, the, uh, the Twitter poll was interesting. So I had asked, do people think that Justin Gaethje's going to win at least two rounds? And yes, 60% of people said that they think he's going to win at least two rounds, which I was surprised to see. And then I saw on MMA Junkie, they did their um, you know fan poll to see who was going to win. Majority picked... Justin, and then I think even Annex Show, they did a poll, and I think a lot of people, I, the fans are definitely picking Gagey. Yeah, I don't, it's, I, listen, I, I really think that rounds one and two could be Khabib. I really, because, I mean, he's a guy that kind of pushes the pace, gets that takedown early. But, like Babcock said, and like we've seen, rounds three, four, and five get difficult, and Gagey is that guy that, you know, it depends, like, how much effort he's putting into those times getting up too like i don't know it's you know it's really so difficult it's really it's i think i think khabib is 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 the no offense to you like it's the safe pick because it's freaking khabib like never lost (laughs) yeah he's never never lost lost. like you said i don't know that he's ever lost a round like the dude it's khabib but at the same time like i don't know it's just justin gaethje is just he's so appealing but like i said i feel like we've all been in this trap before with connor with with uh, Poirier, with all these guys, like we've been in this trap before, so it's like okay, like 
how many times are we going to doubt Khabib rather than just say, okay, dude's the GOAT, greatest wrestler, no one's going to beat him, it is what it is. You know what I mean? So and we've yeah. all been through that. So it's it's I, I totally see both sides. And I think a huge plus is that um, Gaethje, we just saw him go to the fifth round with Tony, and he looked great. Like his cardio totally held up, and he threw a ton of volume. So you, you'd think he would have been tired, but he looked amazing. So if this fight – if he can last past like that third round into the championship rounds, um, that's where he could, you know, make some big moves. So cardio is going to be huge for him. 100%. Carrie, anything else to add? Nope. Alrighty. Ladies and gentlemen, the following case who has called an end to this episode, declaring the winner by listening, you fans. Hey guys, once again, uh, Scary Carrie, presidential, presidential, president Washington, and blonde Alice Cooper will be back on Monday with a special episode. Other than that, if you like the episode, go hit that follow button on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are all Coffee and KOs one, and we'll see. We'll see you next week. Yeah.